you turn off the music in the background too? Thanks. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so excited you're here today. It's a lovely December morning, and we are so glad that you're here. And it is a great day again and again and again. I will say it over and over and over again. It is a good day to praise the Lord. So wherever you are, where you're home, where you're here with us, please stand as we praise the Lord. You call 
Blessed be the name that's above every name and the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy G- New give, Year. A, give a high, air high five to the people around you, all right? I hope you're having a great 2021 so far. We're looking forward to great things. Let's uh, go to the Lord in a word of prayer and invite him to be the guest of honor at our very first service, First Baptist Church in 2021. Our most gracious Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we all made it through 2020. We're thankful that you blessed us in amazing ways. We're thankful for the health that we have, for the ability that we have to take care of the needs of our families. Father, we thank you that you bless this church, that you bless our families, that you bless our people. Lord, we just thank you for what we do have and what we and, and not lamenting what we don't have. God, we pray that your will would be done in our hearts and lives this year. We pray for our country. God, we're sorely in need of a Holy Spirit revival. And I pray, God, that you would bring us one. I pray that your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and seek your face and pray and cry out. And, God, that you would hear from heaven and you would heal us and and that you would forgive us and give us revival. God, may you be honored and glorified in this service. And every time these doors are open for whatever meeting is going on, may you be honored and glorified in the guest of honor, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, 
<clears throat> Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated here in the auditorium. Welcome those of you who are watching by way of Facebook or YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let your friends know about it. Every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, we're on uh, live streaming. Also, all of the messages are archived in both those places, so you can uh, go back if you missed a message or two and pick them up. Uh, we have communion today, so when we get ready for communion, if you don't have the, the juice and the wafer, then we have, uh, David's going to pass those out to you uh, a little bit later. If you were able to stop by uh, during the week and pick up the, the elements, then you'll be able to, from home, observe communion with us as well. Next Sunday, uh, this the month of January is all uh, kind of talking about management of life issues, and it's our stewardship month, but a lot of people don't know what stewardship means, and it basically means management. So we need to learn how to manage our life for the glory of God. And so today, managing life. Next week, Lord willing, managing our time, and then managing our talents, and then managing our finances. And I had the opportunity on one of the Coronado websites this week uh, without, I don't even remember who it was, but somebody was saying, I have this car. It's not worth as much as I owe on it right now, but I, I'm thinking about trading it in and, in and doubling my debt to get another car. What are your thoughts? And I said, I don't think so. Debt is a cruel master. Keep what you've got. Make payments to yourself. I remember one time <clears throat> advising a young couple. Uh, they were getting ready to buy a new car. And I said, well, how much are the payments going to be? I was counseling them, so it was okay to ask that, I guess. <clears throat> and they told me, I think it was like 360 bucks, something like that a month. And I said, well, uh, I said, here's what you ought to do. They had no down payment. I said, here's what you ought to do. You ought to make a car payment to yourself every month for six months. You take 360 bucks times six, and you're going to have a, a, at least you'll have a down payment. They said, oh, we can't afford to do that. I said, well, wait a minute. You can't afford to make a payment to yourself, but you're going to obligate to make a payment to the bank? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's kind of dumb, huh? <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about managing life and managing finances and so on this month. And speaking of finances, God bless you, members of First Baptist Church. You were faithful uh, this last year in the face of uh, COVID and all the other different weird things that happened through the year. And uh, so the church was able to end up on solid ground and good ground. And the, the new projectors paid for, so we thank God for that. Uh, and, uh, and we just want to say, continue to be faithful to the Lord. Trust Him to take care of you. Uh, and if you give your tithes and offerings through the U.S. mail or online, either way, we'd appreciate it. Stay well, stay safe, practice good, uh, good policies that uh, will try to keep you well. Uh, stay thankful. If you need something, let us know. Here's my bulletin article, if we had bulletins, uh, called A New Beginning. I never want to be a Debbie Downer, or in fact, a Debbie anything, <laughs> with my bulletin articles. Instead, I always want to be an encourager. But I need to say something. Today, I have a funeral service, and this was last Tuesday when I, when I wrote this. It's for a sweet lady and former member of my previous church. She passed away with an apparent heart attack. She leaves a husband of 48 years, two sons, three grandchildren, five siblings, and other family members. And she was 70 years old. That gives me pause. Granted, she achieved her three score and 10 as mentioned in God's word, though it's not promised for everybody. It is mentioned. Uh, however, more and more frequently, I am preaching funerals for people younger than I am. 
Next week, I will preach the funeral of an 88-year-old. That's going to be this coming Friday, an 88-year-old man. That doesn't affect me the same way. Though he will be missed, of course, he's had more than three score and ten, and even more than the four score marker referred to in the Word of God. And he so wanted to go be with his wife who had preceded him, uh, his wife of many decades. But 70 seems so young anymore. Now, when I wrote this article and I sent it to uh, Julie to put into the e-connect like she always does, she said, I made two corrections. She said one of them was you, you forgot a parenthesis up above, so she put that in. And she changed this sentence, 70 doesn't seem so young anymore. And I said, no, 70 seems young anymore. And she just laughed. That's all she did, but she kept it that way. It's very important to remember that what happens to Christians who leave this life. Just as we have come to the end of an old year and have become an, and begun a new one, so we will come to the end of one life and begin a new one. Where and with whom we begin that new life depends on one thing and one thing only. Do we know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior? Are we right with God? If we are, the new life will be one of blessings untold, no tears, and eternal bliss with our Savior and with those who have entrusted their souls to Him. If one has not trusted Jesus Christ, the new life is frightful beyond my ability to describe. We are all content with seeing 2020 go, and we await 2021 with anticipation. No matter how the next year goes, make sure your eternity goes well by trusting Christ. This life is simply a dress rehearsal for eternity. So make sure you trust him as your personal Savior. Would you stand as we worship the Lord with a couple more songs?
praise team. Thank you all for singing praises to God. You may be seated in the auditorium and everybody in the auditorium and online who wants to follow along with the sermons beginning in Genesis chapter 1 today. Genesis chapter 1. But first of all, a short message, a little minute message I call them for all the kids, uh, for the children that are here uh, and that are watching online. So uh, we're so glad to have you with us today, boys and girls. One of these days, hopefully this year sometime, You'll be able to come back up here and be on the platform with us, and we'll be able to teach you a little minute message right here in person and real close by. But for right now, we're doing it by way of camera, doing it by way of uh, social distancing. Last week, boys and girls, I talked with you about the first commandment and what it means. You shall have no other gods before me. God said that in the third 
verse of Exodus chapter 20. And that means that no one and nothing should come between you and God. Nothing at all. The second commandment we didn't talk a lot about last week, but it's almost the same because it says we're not supposed to make any statues. You remember the little monkey statue I brought here? That monkey statue was just for fun. I like those three monkeys, the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil monkeys. And this was one of them, and about that tall, carved out of wood. But you know what I don't do? I don't ever bow down and worship that monkey. I don't. I bow down and worship the true and the living God. Now, if I bowed down to that monkey or some other kind of a statue or a totem pole or anything like that of any kind of a carved image, I would be then breaking what is called the second commandment. And so we're warned not to do that. The third commandment I want to talk to you about today has to do with God's name. And we sang about that, didn't we, just a little while ago. And so uh, the Bible says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Well, what does that mean, taking God's name in vain? Everything about God is holy, is special, is high and lifted up, even his name. In fact, especially his name. So taking God's name means to use his name in ways other than worship, prayer, and praise. Uh, Sometimes people ask God to condemn other people or condemn things or places. Uh, God says not to do that. Some people will swear using God's name or his title or Jesus' name or the name or the title Christ. God tells us don't do that either. The last part of that commandment says that God will not hold guiltless people who use God's name in the wrong way. And that includes the use of his titles, the, the, the use of his attributes, his words, and his works. Psalm 29.2, boys and girls, says to give unto the Lord the glory that's due his name. Do you know that one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven? How do you think people are going to feel if they use God's name in the wrong way? I think they'll be sad. So boys and girls, would you make a promise? Think about it first because it's not a light thing to make a promise to God. But if you think about it first and then you're willing to make a promise to God that you will only use his name to honor him, to pray to him, to worship him, then promise him you'll do that and don't ever ever go back on that. Use God's name the right way. That is the third commandment. Okay, boys and girls, I know God will be pleased by that, and I know that you will be as well. Okay, sorting out life. What does that mean, sorting out life? Pat and I, during this COVID quarantine, semi-quarantine, kind of whatever lockdown, shuttered mess we're in, have been watching an inordinate number of British... Australian and Canadian movies and television series. And it's something I figured out. I think I kind of noticed it before, but many times their words are the same, but the meanings are really different. English English is almost like another language. <laughs> I mean, what they speak over in, in, in the UK. Is something, and one of those examples are the words sort or sorting. To us, to sort something means to arrange it. My wife loves to sort things. She is happy when she has this uh, a big bucket of things that are all mixed up and they need to be sorted by size or color or type or whatever else. I don't know. We'll go into a, you know what drives me nuts is these rock shops. She'll go into these rock shops 
And I know I'm in trouble when she drags a chair up to the little box that has rot. And she'll start sorting these things for, and I go shop down the rest of the, end of the block, come back, shop that side of the, the, come back, and she's just barely made a beginning to sorting out whatever it is she's sorting out. That's what it means to us, put them in order. But to resolve, in English, English means uh, to resolve the problems or difficulties. For example, they agreed that she could stay with them while she got herself sorted. So that's what it means. So this month, we're going to look into resolving some of the difficulties that plague us as human beings, and we'll start by uh, trying to figure out how to sort out life. And we'll talk about time, talents, and finances today, kind of laying the groundwork for this month of emphasis on management. So let's sort out the following. First of all, what is life? Secondly, what is the purpose of life? Sometimes we've, we've wondered that, perhaps. Why in the world am I here? What's the point? of my being here? Uh, what, what are the priorities of life? Very important question. Now, oftentimes our priority is not the same as God's priorities, and that's where we have in trouble. And then the fourth question is, why is life so confusing sometimes? So let's, let's go into it now. First of all, what is life? Life is a gift from God. If you're in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. What follows there is a a list of the things that he uh, was involved in creating uh, in, that, in that act of several days of creation. And in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And then there was the Sabbath day, there was the day of rest. Not because God was tired, he doesn't get tired, but it was a time of ceasing. He ceased what he was doing in his creation. Now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A creation is not the beginning of God. I'm sure everybody understands that. In the beginning, that's not when God began. It's the beginning of the works of God in relation to what we call nature, but I don't even like that terminology. It's really God's handiwork. Nature depersonalizes and, and, and makes sterile uh, all of the beauty that we see around us, whereas God was very personal in his creation of everything that he created. And so it says, in the beginning... God, and the name for God there, there are several names for God in the Old and New Testament. Elohim is the name that's there. Elohim is a plural. Uh, we believe in one God, but we believe in three persons. I believe this is a, an immediate reference to a trinity in the very first verses of Scripture. Uh, Elohim created, uh, the plural. Uh, the word in the Hebrew for created is bara, B-A-R-A, is the way we would write it in English, and it means new fresh, perfect. Whenever the verb bara is used in the Old Testament, God is always the subject. God is the only one who bara creates uh, because he can make out of nothing whatever he wants to make. <clears throat> and so uh, this is to be in the beginning. It's the beginning of what? Time, space, matter. And it's the beginning of time, space, and matter because you have, uh, you have force and you have action. You can't have time, space, and matter created without force and action. Force is God. Action is created. Uh, and then he creates time, space, and matter. And they all had to be created simultaneously. If not, if matter was first created, but there was no place or space, where would it be? And, and if, in fact, uh, there were no time, how would creation move forward through the six days of creation? So, so time, space, and matter were all created at the same time by the force, capital F-O-R-C-E, who is God, and his action. 
Uh, so that's, that's the, in the beginning, God created. In just those few little words, <laughs> they're so full of meaning. And then he says <clears throat> in verse 26, let us, again, plural, and, and it says here, make man, make out of something man. This, this word for make here is not bara. This word is asa, A-S-A-H is how it would be written in English. And it means let us make out of something man in our image, likeness of us. And he reached down to the crust of the earth, the, the dust of the earth he'd already made, and he formed and fashioned Adam. And so we are to be image bearers of God. We're, to bear, we're in the likeness of God. And, and obviously we're not perfect. Obviously even Adam and Eve were not, were not without any ability to sin because they did sin, and they plunged the whole human race into, uh, into sin. <clears throat> but we're to be image bearers. We're to be light bearers. For God Almighty. So that's Genesis chapter 1. What is life? It's a gift from God. God still creates people, by the way. You understand that? In Psalm 139, verse 13, thou hast possessed my reins. He's the one who gives us life. He uses our mother and father, but he's the one who possesses our reins. He's covered us in our mother's womb. Uh, We will praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knows right well. I was made in secret, the psalmist said. And I was fashioned when yet there were none of my features. You're the one, God, who fashioned me. Now, we're coming to the Right to Life Sunday, which is, uh, which is either the 17th or the 24th. It's, some, it's kind of celebrated on both times, and that's okay with me that we celebrate them every week, uh, the Right to Life. <clears throat> but God is the one who forms and fashions. God is the one who gives life. And so we don't have a right to take it unless they violate scriptural principles. Uh, capital punishment is a legitimate thing in the Word of God, and so is war and defending uh, your, your, your country and your family members. That's a different thing. <clears throat> but just to take a life otherwise is absolutely wrong. Take the most innocent life of all, the life of, the life of a little baby in the womb, is absolutely wrong. By the way, <clears throat> God can forgive that. God can come in and cleanse the heart from whatever sin we have all committed. So, <clears throat> so life, though, is given by God. Life is physical and mental awareness. Uh, it's the existence of a physical body and being. Initially, that person, however, is spiritually dead. So we are a trifle being, but the spiritual part is dead until we are born again. So we have physical, we have the psychological or mental or emotional, whatever, are wrapped up, but, but the spiritual part is dead. By the way, life is very short. We have a lot of different metaphors in the Word of God, do we not, about how short life is. James chapter 4, verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For you ought to say, if it be the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So it's like the, like the fog in the morning, sometimes on our way to Coronado, coming over the bridge, uh, there'll be a, a kind of a, a fog bank or, or a heavy, I, I don't know, onshore flow type thing. And maybe it'll stay there sometimes until 11 or 12 o'clock, and then it's gone. Uh, uh, but other times, it, it's, it goes a lot quicker than that. Uh, life is a vapor. It appears for a little while. Life is like a wildflower. It grows up. It, it puts up a shoot. It has a bloom. It bloom in full bloom, and then it dries and drops the petals, and, it, and it's, uh, it, it dies off. Life is like that. It's not very long at all. We're aware of that fact, but we are not to worry about it. 
we're not to be anxious about it because he said, I, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you eat or what you drink or what yet for your body, what you should put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. God's promised to take care of us. We have every Sunday, well, not every Sunday, I guess other days of the week too, but it seems like on Sundays we have this flock of yellow birds, pretty yellow birds that come and, and, uh, and hang out in our tree in our backyard. When my wife's getting ready. Uh, she'll look out and see these yellow birds, and they'll go down. We have a little, little uh, water feature thing, and they get in there, and they bathe, and they drink, and they get back up in the trees, and they sing, uh, and, and so on. <clears throat> and God takes care of them. You ever wonder about that? I, I, we've, got, we've got two, uh, three, three, I guess, wild cats, feral cats. We, where we live, about every few months, we have another litter of cats that uh, make our, between my neighbor and ourselves, they hang out in our place. And, and so I often wonder, how does God take care of these things? So I've become part of the way he does that uh, <laughs> of late. And so we're getting ready to come to church, and there's the cat looking at me. And I mean, probably, what, maybe 10 feet, 15 feet away? That's as close as it ever gets, but I've been feeding it a little bit. And so it kind of was looking at me, and I went back in the garage and got some food, brought out and put it there on the lawn and backed off, and here it came, and here come another one over the fence, and here comes another one over the fence. And, and so, you know, God, but God takes care of the birds. God takes care of the feral cats. God takes care of the coyotes. Sometimes he takes care of the coyotes with the feral cats, but that's a whole other whole thing we don't want to go into. We have children in the room. <clears throat> what is life? Life is a gift from God. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed and burdened by the trials of life, the problems of life. How about we kind of switch the focus and put our focus on the blessings of God, the things that we have? How about just being a Christian? That's a pretty cool thing right there, knowing that one day we're going to live eternally in heaven with God, all of our needs met in eternal bliss. That's not bad. If we have nothing else but Christ, we have a lot, right? And so how about we start emphasizing that? So what is life? It is a gift from God. Secondly, what is the purpose of life? Is the purpose of life to be successful as the world counts success? Is it to be famous? Is it to be rich? Is it to be powerful? Of course not. That is not the purpose of life. The purpose of our life is quite simple. It's to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We were put here for that purpose. And parents, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 tells us we're to teach our children when we get up in the morning, when we walk by the way, when we sit down to eat, when we lay down at night, we're to teach them we are here for the purpose of loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Now Jesus confirms this in the New Testament. Because one day a a person came to Jesus and asked him a question. He said, what is the great commandment in the law? Because we have so many. There were hundreds and hundreds of laws that, uh, that the Pharisees had written out, and, and not as many in the Word of God, but, but there were plenty in the Word of God. So this guy, I think being sincere, wanted to know, what, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. 
And then he said the second commandment, he wasn't asked this, but he said, while I'm at it, I'm going to give you the second biggest, best commandment. That is to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we're to love God with everything we have. We're to love people as we love ourselves. And in doing that, we're to honor and trust and obey our God. In fact, the summation of the wisest man who ever lived, when he went through the list of frustrations that, were, uh, that had plagued him in this life in the book of Ecclesiastes, when you get to the end of that, what does he say? Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's the reason we're here, to obey the commandments of God. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for him. He created us for his pleasure, his divine pleasure. So fit into God's plan for your life. Make his plan your plan. Thirdly, what are the priorities of life? We've already kind of hit on them, haven't we? In Matthew 6, it says, seek ye first, not second, not fifth, not tenth, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, what? The clothes, the food, and all of that will be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the days of evil thereof. Don't be worrying about, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Uh, oh, 2020 was such a, a difficult year. Ah, 2021, that's going to be awful. I just know it's going to be. Don't be worrying about it. You know what? The Lord may come back today. If he comes back today, all the worrying we've done about what might happen in 2021 is going to be for nothing. So, so don't, don't worry. Live righteous lives every moment that you have life on this earth. Zephaniah 2, 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. Live righteous lives here emulate Christ, try to be like him, uh, think through the problems of life from his perspective, not yours. And all the while, again, not worrying about tomorrow. Number four, why is life so confusing sometimes? And I want to kind of camp there for a minute. Why is life so confusing? So, hey, how many think that life is confusing every once in a while? I sure do. Huh? I can't, I've got some questions right now. I, I'd, I'd love to have answers to. I'd love to know uh, why certain things have happened the way that they've happened. But uh, the, the, the fact is that, first of all, too often, our ways are not his ways. Our ways are not his ways. So that song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers, that's, that's one little way of realizing that God's plan is better than our plans. We all have desires. We all have, we wish certain things would would be a certain way, and when they don't work out that way, we get frustrated, we get sad, we get discouraged, and yet later on, perhaps, God gives us eyes to see it's really better it didn't work out that way. <clears throat> I can think of any number of things in my life, and I'm so thankful that they didn't work out the way that I wanted them to work out, that the way that I was praying for them to work out, because God's plan was so much better. <clears throat> so, too often our ways are not His ways. There's a way... In the book of Proverbs, two different places, identical wording in Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25 are these words. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seems right, 
But the end is death. The end is wrong. The end is not what God has in mind for you. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 says, Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them return unto the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Why? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways rather, my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So let's just put it down. Let's just acknowledge the fact that we think things through with defective minds, defective hearts, influenced by sin, influenced by selfishness, self-centeredness, and so on. So so our, our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So let his ways and his thoughts prevail in our lives. And I will promise you, life will become a lot less complicated if we do that. Secondly, we have this ability to make the the simple very complicated. (laughs) Very complicated. Uh, I don't know who it was. I I know that John R. Rice used, back in the days, used the God's simple plan of salvation a lot. I can't remember who wrote that now, but... Uh, I mean, they wrote it specifically and entitled the tract, God's Simple Plan of Salvation. And look at how bad religion has messed that up. I mean, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous now. Religion has twisted it and turned it and corrupted it and complicated it. We've added all manner of things that are necessary for salvation, uh, everything from baptism to church membership to the right church membership to our own righteousness to our own good works to, uh, to I mean, just everything imaginable. We just, we just have so confused it. We are no better off than the Israelites who bowed down before that golden calf. If we, don't get, if we don't get the simple plan of salvation, if we don't understand the word of God, if we don't read the word of God and trust it for what it says, that's why I believe, that's why I believe the word of God is not just some good thoughts. I believe it's God's word for us. I believe it's supernaturally inspired, verbally inspired, word for word, God-breathed. I believe it's infallible. I, I, I believe the word of God. So, so when it says, trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, verily thou shalt be fed. I believe that. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thy heart. I believe that. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also. He shall bring it to pass, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness and the light, and thy judgment is noonday. God will shed light on the situation when we, when we will trust in him and delight in him and commit our way unto him. When we just believe the word of God and follow to the best of our ability the word of God and not complicate it with all of our man-made ideas, things will work out better. We'll be less confused how many of you okay guys i know it's gonna be tough to admit how many of you guys watch hallmark movies with your wife let me see your hands thank you both of you thank you (laughs) the rest of you are liars and i always in every single hallmark movie at well, first of all, everything, you know, it, it goes from they meet, uh, uh, you know, they're taking a 
time off from work because they're too stressed out. They meet somewhere on a farm and, and they're milking cows and, they, and, and next thing you know they're in love and then 20 minutes before the end of the program they break up and then about three or four minutes before the end of the program they get back together and everything works out wonderfully well. But somewhere in this Hallmark movie, you check it out, somebody's going to say, it's complicated. <laughs> How are you two doing? It's complicated. Do you love her? It's complicated. It's not that complicated, folks. If we do things God's way, it's not that. Oh, you say, well, then you mean you understand everything? No, I just don't worry about things I don't understand. Or I try not to. Sometimes I do worry about them. Yeah. But I try not to. And I, I, when I start worrying about things that I don't have any control over and, and kind of frustrate me a little bit, I have to have a good talk with myself. I know it sounds kind of like I'm, you know, kind of got some problems going on, but I don't. I know you don't. <laughs> but they think you do, but they're wrong. I have, to have a, I have to remind myself, I'm here to serve God. I'm here to glorify him. I'm not here to understand his plan. I'm here to trust his plan. There's a difference. I don't understand marching around Jericho seven days. I, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand whittling down Gideon's army down to 300 when they were going up against tens of thousands of people. I don't understand that. It makes no sense. But I believe it. And I trust it. So... Let's uncomplicate things by just believing what God has said. Number three, uh, in this, we seek to satisfy our lusts, our own desires, instead of God's. John, brother of Christ, reminded us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the cosmos, this world system, this crazy world system. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides, how long? Forever. Forever. I know, our desires are strong. I know that. We do battle with them. We're tempted but when we give glory to God, when we satisfy his desires for our life instead of our own, we decomplicate things in our own life. Number four, we don't know God's will as it's given in God's word. And, and, and unfortunately, we're content not to search for God's will, it seems like. 2 Timothy 3.14, but continue down to things which thou hast learned and been assured of. And Paul talking to Timothy, his son in the ministry, so to speak, knowing that he had been raised by a godly mother and grandmother in the faith. He said, continue in the things that you've learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness. So not just, not just uh, uh, teaching, but it shows us where we're wrong. It shows us what the right thing to do is and shows us how to do that. And the man of, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 said, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we are walking where God wants us to walk, doing what God wants us to do, according to his will for our lives, life won't be so complicated or confusing. Next thing is we don't respond correctly to God's chastisement. You know what? If my parents had been raised in today's world, they'd have gone to jail for chastising me. I'm telling you, I was a good kid, but I, I, I was mainly good out of fear because I, I knew what happened to me if I didn't, if I, if I did something wrong. But you know what? Used to, that's, you, 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 you spank, you discipline, and God still does it. I don't care what the government says, God's still going to discipline us when we do something wrong. And in fact, he says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Well, that's hard not to do. I hate it. I hate being corrected, but I hate being chastised. But he said, don't despise it nor faint when you're rebuked of him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It, because he loves you, he's going to correct you. It's, it's like when our, our, our children would disobey. And it comes, always comes to mind, the first thing that happened was uh, that I remember when I think about this verse is, is when our little girl was probably, uh, Shannon was probably three years old or four years old, three or four, and, and I was out standing by the street in front of our house on Baldwin Well, and uh, we were standing, and she was in the street, kind of a little bit, you know, maybe a foot or two in the street. I said, Shannon, you need to not be in the street. Come on up here. So she got up on the curb, and I said, now don't go in the street. And so she went like this. For you who are at home, she she stuck her foot down over the curb. I said, don't do that. And after about the third time, we had a little chastisement going on. (laughs) Now, why would I chastise her? Why would I spank her? Why would I correct her for doing something just as seemingly nominal and unconsequential as just stepping her foot down? Because she didn't realize what it would be like to get run over by a car and seriously hurt or killed. She didn't understand that. But she did understand when dad would correct her or mom would correct her. She understood that. Our stubbornness. Sometimes we react with more stubbornness to God's correction, God's chastisement. But if you, if you just think about it from God's perspective, again, our way is not his ways. He is correcting us because he loves us, and he wants what's best for us. And if he, if he lets us just go off on our own way doing whatever it is we want to do, we're not going to be blessed of him. We're not going to be able to be blessed of him. So whom the Lord loves, he chastens, scourges every son he receives, every daughter he receives. If you endure chastening... Then God deals with you as as his children. For what child is he whom the father chastens not? But if you're without discipline or chastisement, 
Then are you, and he uses a, a word that's become a cuss word now, uh, means someone without a father who doesn't know who their father is. He said, then are you, and he uses that word, I just can't use it here, and not sons. Then are you illegitimate? If you don't have the chastening of God in your life, when you do things that are wrong, and you, when I was a kid growing up, I always got caught. I didn't, I wasn't thankful for it then. I am now. I got saved when I was eight years old. So, so when my buddies and I would do stuff, and it was, it was always, I was led astray by someone else, always. But, but when I was led astray by someone else, I would be the one that got caught. And I used to kind of resent that. I think, well, what's the deal with that? All three of us were doing it. I got caught because I was God's child. And God was building in my life the principle that, you know what? If you violate my standards, you violate my word, you're going to pay a price for it. It's going to cost you. Next thing is, we Christians don't understand that we do not belong to ourselves. I am my own man. Not if you're a Christian, you're not. Oh, and not if you're lost either. Because you either belong to the devil or you belong to God, one or the other. You're not your own anything. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you are saved, temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and you have of God, and you are not your own, for you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're not our own. And when we act like we're our own, and we can do what we want to do because we're our own self-made person. Someone said the smallest package in the whole world is a man or a woman wrapped up in themselves. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. So sorting out life, what is life? It's a gift from God. Why are we here? To love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to trust and obey him. God's priorities ought to be our priorities. And we don't have to be confused or double-minded or unsure. We just need to know God's word and obey it. So how's your life today? How is your life? We're talking about management. How's the management of your life today? Are you managing it well for the glory of God? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says we're to examine ourselves. So it's kind of, you know, this time of the year when people do inventories, I guess, maybe, I don't know if it's in December or if it's in January, but we used to do inventories. You have to put tags on stuff, all the merchandise you still have that you haven't sold and so on. How is your life today? How's your consecration? I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. By the way, when a sacrifice was presented in the temple, when they took that sacrifice and slew it and, and sprinkled its blood on the altar and then took the sacrifice and put it on the altar and consumed it and burned up, it was gone. It was gone. When we give ourselves to God, we ought to be absolutely gone from this from 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 our concerns about self and so on we need to be totally consecrated totally given to him not just partially given they didn't they didn't just put part of the sacrifice on the altar and, and leave part of it off they put the entire sacrifice on the altar
They didn't take it back off. Secondly, how's your conduct? How's, how's, do other people know that there's something different about you and that that something is that Jesus Christ lives in your life and he means something to you? Happy is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Number three, how's your influence? How's your influence? Are you actively affecting other people around you? You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but under, on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Last of all, most importantly, how's your eternal soul? To whom do you belong? What shall it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their own soul? Those who would sell their souls to the devil, so to speak, for fame and fortune and all of that for 50 years, 75 years, 100 years, if they had 1,000 years, would have made a bad deal because eternity is without end. How is your soul? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our Father in heaven, I pray that every person who's listening to this today would allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we're wanting, to show us what we need so that our lives are not confusing, so that our lives are purposeful and so we meet that purpose to the best of our ability. That your priorities would become our priorities. That 2021 would be a better year because we become that sacrifice that's on the altar, totally consumed in the worship of you. Father, I pray for those who might be listening, whose eternal home is not settled as far as it being heaven is not, is not theirs because they haven't trusted Christ as their personal Savior. May today and right now, in fact, be the time when they do that. If you're here in the auditorium or you're watching at home and you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to pray to Him. You need to pray right now to the Father in heaven saying something like this, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner I know I'm going to die and stand before you one day. And when that time comes, I want to be ready. I believe that Jesus is your only begotten son. I believe he was crucified for my sins. That he died and he was buried in a tomb. And I believe three days later he rose up alive from that tomb and will be alive forevermore. And I believe you when you've said, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God hath raised him from the dead that we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Father, as best I know how, I call upon you to be my Savior. Forgive me my sins. Wash me clean. Make me yours. I pray in Jesus' name. 
with every head still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer at home or right here in the auditorium, either way, preacher, I just prayed that prayer right now. I'm in it with all my heart. Would you raise your hand up for a, a moment? Hold it up for just a moment. Our Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for what you mean to our lives, for you giving us life, for you giving us direction, for you giving us the ability to know how to live it. I thank you for that. Lord, I pray now your blessings as we enter into a time of communion and fellowship around your table. I pray, God, that you would be with us in the observance of that memorable supper that you instituted to remind us of your death and the fact that you're coming back again one day. Father, thank you for a brand new year. God bless it, we pray, and bless each one of us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did not receive the elements, if you didn't, you're in here in the auditorium and you didn't get those and you would like those, David will pass those out to you. So uh, just raise your hand up real high over here to my right in the center. The elements, of course, are symbolic of the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Savior. Next week, Lord willing, be preaching on sorting out time. How do we know how much time to give God? So come and be part of that. As they were observing the Jewish Passover, the last meal that Jesus would have with his disciples before his crucifixion, and as they were reflecting on the meaning of it all, Jesus would institute something that has been practiced in his church for over 2,000 years. And I'm going to ask that, first of all, our praise team lead us in this verse. our Lord and Savior was seated at that table, probably reclining, as was the custom in those days at the table. He looked over to the table and he found among the elements and the items of food at the table, the unleavened bread. The Passover was commemorating the day in Egypt when the death angel passed over every home where the blood was not applied, but visited every home where the blood was applied. The Israelites had been instructed to take dough, but not to add yeast, not to wait for it to rise. It was without yeast completely. We understand now that yeast is a typical and a type of sin. As sin, as yeast permeates the dough, 
so sin has permeated this world. His body became symbolized by the wafer, the unleavened bread, his body being totally without sin. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to the disciples. Our Father, we pray your blessings upon this wafer, knowing that it's not your body, it's a symbol of your body. And your body was without sin, the only perfect person to ever have lived. And we're thankful that in your perfection, you were willing to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, bless us as we commune together in the name of Christ. Amen. He said, take eat. This is my body. other food items that were on the table was the cup. The cup with the fruit of the vine, representative of the blood. And as the grape was squeezed, out came the sweet juice. So when Jesus was crucified, when he was beaten, when he was crowned with thorns, out came that life-giving blood. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so Christ took the cup and he gave thanks. Father, for your shed blood, which we did not deserve, we thank you. For your forgiveness, which we could not earn, we thank you. For your promise of eternal life, Lord, we thank you. We're thankful that you were willing to give your omnipotent life for sinners such as us. And we pray your blessing upon the cup. In Christ's name, amen. And he gave it them, and he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new and the better covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for many, as a substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sins. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom.
After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's stand together. We will not join hands as we want to do normally, but we'll stand together and sing, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. life to the fullest in 2021 without anxiety and fear, trusting in him always. May God bless you today and the rest of the year. Thank you for being in God's house today. Bless you.